This is the Build Wealth Canada Show, episode number 90. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. Longtime listeners of this show know that I am always on the hunt for personal finance and investing tools that actually work for us Canadians. Too often we hear about some great tool or resource, and then it turns out that it's only for those in the U.S. Now, with that said, I want to bring on two CEOs today. The first is from a tool that I've been using and been hooked on for years now, which essentially automates any rebalancing that I have to do in my portfolio so that I don't have to do the tedious data entry into a spreadsheet anymore to calculate how much of each ETF I have to buy every time that I have money to invest. And one thing that I recently noticed is that I almost never log into my Questrade account anymore because I would much rather just buy the investments right within one tool for all of our accounts, whether it's my account, my wife's account, or our kids' RESP, instead of having to log in and out of each account and doing the trades and calculations manually. So the company that I'm talking about is Passive. The CEO and our first guest today is Brendan Lee Young. And you can actually use Passive for free. And the link for that is buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. They integrate with different Canadian brokerages out there, like Wealth Simple Trade, for instance. But if you're a Questrade user like me, you actually get their premium account for free so that you can do the trades right within the tool and make your portfolio more tax efficient right from within the passive tool. So again, if you want the free account, that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. Our second guest CEO is Alex from Global Predictions, which is a tool that I just recently heard about that is now available in Canada. And I'm in the process of trying it out now. And some of its main functionality is that it can help find risks and problem areas within your investment portfolio. So you tell it what you have, and it's going to try to find it, see if there's any sort of weaknesses, anything like that. And it will actually give you suggestions on how to improve your portfolio and that you visualize your net worth using all of your assets instead of just looking at your investment portfolio. And if you want to check them out, their website is globalpredictions.com. And they just recently launched here in Canada. So I thought we could have an interview to discuss some of the tools available to us Canadians. And as a sort of interview bonus, what's really neat is that Passive actually has a way for you to share what investments you're holding with others. So in this episode, I also provide a link to my portfolio in Passive so you can see exactly which ETFs I buy, what my asset allocation is in terms of bonds versus stocks, and in terms of geography, so how much I have in Canada versus US versus international. Obviously, do your own due diligence. I'm not saying you should own exactly what I own, but you know, but these are the ETFs that I literally hold in my portfolio and that I continue to buy on an ongoing basis whenever we have some money to invest. All right. So I hope you enjoyed the discussion. And now let's get into the interview. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. So, Brendan, I've been using Passive for years now, and long-term listeners of this show know that it's one of my favorite tools. But for those that haven't heard of Passive, can you give us a bit of summary of what Passive does? Yeah. So, Passive is essentially a portfolio rebalancing tool to help DIY investors maintain their portfolio's target asset allocation. So, the idea is you've got a brokerage account, you're investing in ETFs and a couple of stocks. You want to keep everything balanced. You can use Passive to connect your brokerage account, set your targets, 
and see the calculated trades you need to place to keep all of those assets balanced. And the really cool thing about Passive is that not only do you get calculated trades, you can click a button and have those trades placed right in your brokerage account instantaneously. And if you're a customer of Questrade, you actually get access to Passive for free and you get that paid feature that allows you to trade. So it's really cool, really popular. And our users love that one-click trading feature. Awesome. Because I guess the base passive is still free, right? It's just if you want the extra premium features, those are free if you're also a Quest Trade user. Is that right still? Yes, that's correct. Gotcha. They're a great partner of ours here in Canada. And yeah, they've made the Passive Elite subscription free for every one of their clients. So it's a really great incentive to have an account at Quest Trade. And yeah, it's almost like a $100 value a year just for being a Quest Trade client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I mean, I don't know if I told you this before, Brendan, but I don't even really go into Quest Trade anymore unless I need to download tax forms during tax season. So I started off you know, using Quest Trade all the time. And now I actually just use Passive to do all my trades and rebalancing you know, the whole thing because I don't have to log into my account and then do what I need to do with a logout and then you know, go into my wife's account and do it that way. We just do everything within Passive and, and the reporting is, is so much better too. So yeah, so it's, I've definitely you know, started off with doing a little bit of both and now I, <laughs> I just, I barely ever have to go into Questrade anymore. So I mean, kudos to you guys for building a tool that's so useful where I'd rather use that than the one I've been familiar with for you know, many, many years of investing. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like Questrade's a, a good platform for investors in general. But yeah, like we wanted to build a tool that helps people like yourself who manages their family's entire net worth in one stop shop. And so that, like you say, and you click a button, Cornell, and your entire family's portfolios is rebalanced. And yeah, it's just pretty cool and really glad to have them as a partner. And so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If anybody listening, if you do want to figure out how to get the free upgrade, I made a redirect link. It's just buildwealthcanada.ca slash passive. So if you go there, I have the instructions all written out there how to basically get the free premium upgrade. And so you can get not only the free version of passive, but the upgraded one as well. So yeah, buildwithcan.ca slash passive is the one. It's awesome, Brent. Thank you so much for that intro. And then I also have Alex Harmson here from Global Predictions, which is a tool that I just recently heard about that is now available in Canada. And Alex, can you tell us what Global Predictions does and who is it for? Really excited about bringing it to Canada. We've had in the US for a number of years. We've had you know, a significant amount of usage here, and we're starting to expand internationally with Canada you know, being one of the first. As a Canadian myself, you know, I'm so excited to bring into this market here. Basically, we built Global Predictions as a way to be able to have a more informed insight and basically connect your entire net worth, you know, including real estate, cash, cryptocurrencies, different security accounts, connect that into the portal, view it all in the same place, measure that in one go with a proprietary portfolio score that we've built, and then actually allow you to improve that score systematically in a very simple interface. We think about it as basically a decision-making platform for your investing. You know, me and my co-founder originally, most of the rest of our team at this point, has, you know, we're inundated with many recommendations and insights and news and Twitter. And, you know, there's seemingly advice coming from everywhere. 
A lot of it is conflicting. A lot of it is biased. And so being able to synthesize everything that's happening in the world, being able to break down your portfolio sort of into its underlying components, seeing how it all fits together like pieces of a puzzle seems crucial for us. And so we wanted to build an easy platform to be able to do that automatically. I think this is one of the key features. Absolutely. You know, the fact that you can import all of your net worth and not just look at your securities account. And we find that very typically people look at like all of their different finances as sort of scattered in all these different buckets. And I mean, at least I did this originally. You know, I sort of think about, you know, my house as a sort of a separate island and separate bucket. And I have a crypto portfolio with Coinbase and I have a certain account with Quest Trade and I have a certain you know, account with interactive brokers and I have a retirement account and I have accounts for my kids and I have some private equity you know, and stock options. And you know, it seems like on the surface, all of that is quite diversified because I have all these different buckets, but I never really knew if that was properly diversified, if there were underlying problems or if I was overexposed, you know, to a certain part of the economy or certain drivers until I was able to pull all of that together into global predictions and you know, basically get a report, get those insights. Gotcha. And so part of it is being able to pull all of that in automatically and update that. And the other part of it is being able to score it and look at it you know, on the same playing field. You know, Being able to do the same sort of multi-asset optimization and you know our system generates you know, basically our system generates a bunch of problems for you and finds those problems measures that and then we also automatically give recommendations to be able to fix those different problems and you know it's really up to you as a you know individual self-directed investor to be able to accept or reject those different suggestions a lot of what we're trying to do is just give more control to investors to be able to think about their whole net worth you know holistically like that Gotcha. And yeah, it seems like the tool as well is something that can be used quite a bit for active investors just because of all these, like you mentioned, I believe earlier. And I know I saw this on your side as well. You mentioned hedge, sort of hedge fund level type analysis. But what if I'm a passive total market index investor, which I am, and I know a lot of the listeners of the show are as well. You know, how yeah. does global predictions help? I think you kind of answered this because it's clearly not just for there's sort of this active investing component, but the whole like getting everything holistically into one area and looking at optimizations that way, is that how it's probably most useful to total market, you know, passive index investors like myself? Completely right. I would say probably 80% of our users are passive investors. Okay, great to know. And so definitely it is useful to be able to understand the underlying drivers of individual securities. And like the platform can be used for that to be able to understand you know, is there significant liquidity risk for my, you know, Coinbase stock or, you know, is this ETF properly diversified or what's the expected return of XYZ or, you know, what's the sharp ratio of, you know, this stock and how does it compare to this other one? So it absolutely can be used for that. But the way that the interface is designed, the way that, you know, we've really architected this, typically we expect users to log in maybe for an hour a month max. You know, that would be ideal usage for us. Typically, we find that people come in and they mostly come in 
on some monthly cadence or weekly cadence or quarterly cadence, like whatever your specific investment cadence is, to be able to look at their portfolio score, understand the risks that are affecting their portfolio, and then basically adjust things a little bit, right? Similar to what you were talking about, it's more of an optimization rather than throwing everything out and trading everything from scratch, depending on different macro conditions or just depending on you know, the performance or how the individual components of your portfolio have done. Some people just use it for putting new money into the markets. And so there's uh, certain suggestions that come up you know, for the next $1,000 that you're putting into the market. You know, It gives you recommendations about like, okay, I'd put it into one of these three tickers. Typically, diversified ETFs are the ones that come up in order to increase your portfolio score so that you don't have to touch anything in your existing you know, investor pool. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I, mean, I consider myself a passive investor. The idea of you know, spending most of my life day trading and focusing on the news every single day and really trying to stay on top of markets feels like a chore, to be honest. And you know, I'm just human. There's no way I can synthesize all of that information and like, make good decisions about that. And so, you know, I would rather leave it to a platform like this that I trust to be able to point me in the right direction. And, you know, we will send alerts if your portfolio score drops below a certain threshold, if you've had, you know, significant moves, or if there's something big happening in sort of the larger macro economy that might affect your portfolio. But we would never send an alert saying like, oh, like this stock is really hot, you know, you should buy it today. I think that's very interesting. I mean, like, what is the definition of a passive investor? Like, is it that you only hold a broadly diversified ETF and that's it? Is it that you hold one share of, let's say, I don't know, Berkshire Hathaway and you just hold that for the rest of your life? I think the terminology depends based on on the people and could be a bit subjective, but it's very interesting to hear that like we all here sort of like agree or consider ourselves passive investors of some sort of variety. And when we started passive, and Alex, you mentioned that you know your ideal solution is for a user to come in once per month. I remember when we started passive, we were like, you know what? It would be great if people use us less. <laughs> Let's keep all the right. bells and whistles off. Let's just have a thing. You see the trades you need to place, you click a button and and that's it. And what we've learned over the past five years of doing passive, well, you know, we started very basically, Cornell, I think the last time we came on your show, well, I came on your show, we were integrated with one broker, Questrade. We had a very limited feature set. We did one thing very well and we'll show you the calculated trades. And like over time, we've gotten more users and those users have given us feedback. And I find it funny that passive investors sort of start off as like a one fund ETF. And then over time, like we've observed just based on the feedback users are asking us for, it's like, can you give me a portfolio score? Can you help me exclude this one stock that I have? Could you let me build model portfolios so that I can apply them at different times? And And our product team is here scratching our heads like, why? What do you mean? Like you're buying an index. This is all that matters. And it turns out that like, even though we're all down for indexing and we're all down for passive investing, we think about it differently. And the tools we use, we may be having like 
demands of them. And so we had to almost like still even to this day have like a very clear line in terms of like what features are we building and are we helping people be better investors? Do you need a portfolio score? Do you need these things? And I think that's sort of why like we've almost like pared it down, like in terms of like our approach to like helping investors, it's more around the tactical things that you can do to manage your family's net worth and wealth and stuff. And I think what Alex and his team is doing with their platform is really driving the informational side of things. And it's very interesting that like, I would assume that a passive investor does not care about any of these things and that they're just buying a one ETF every day. And it's clearly not the case. And so I think where I'm getting to is that like passive investing is, it probably means different things for different people. And maybe investing as a whole is a spectrum where you go from an index to a portfolio of stocks or some stocks, crypto and some indexes. And I think Alex, what you guys are doing over there is pretty cool because you can get those sort of insights. And those are things we probably never do because we want to stay very clear in terms of just the tactical elements that you, Cornell, you love and get out of passive because we just care about helping people save time and get back to their life, which is why we're investing in the first place, right? To get financial freedom. Exactly. And now a quick message from one of our sponsors. Hey, everyone, just want to give a big thanks to Shopify for sponsoring this episode. It's always nice to see a Canadian company become so popular worldwide and do so well. And one of the reasons that I really like them is that they make it really easy for entrepreneurs and those that want to have a side hustle to get started and run their businesses. Now, when I first started the podcast, there were at least a dozen tools and services that I had to set up and integrate just to have a site. And things get even more complicated when I actually wanted to sell something, as now you're dealing with e-commerce, security, privacy, and lot more. So the reason that I'm a big fan of Shopify is that they are essentially an all-in-one solution for small business owners. You can set up your site using their tools and they'll take care of these technical details for you. Essentially, you don't have to go through the tedious process that I had to go through when getting your business off the ground. So I'm definitely a big fan of Shopify as they help make it easier than ever to start, run, and grow your own business. They are already powering many of Canada's favorite businesses and allow Canadians to sell the products worldwide. You can go to shopify.ca slash BWC, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial. There, you can create your store with the look you want, and there's no need for you to know how to design or code. So I really love how Shopify makes starting your own business possible for anyone. So you can start selling on Shopify today by going to shopify.ca slash BWC right now. That's shopify.ca slash BWC, all lowercase. So have you found in your experience, Brendan, that there are very few sort of purists like myself where we just buy the total market index and that's it? Have you found in your experience that most people, they have a lot more, like they might have some cryptocurrency, they might dabble in stocks a little bit, you know, they might have their core ETF total market portfolio. But then maybe they tilt it a little bit because you know maybe they're very bullish on let's say the tech sector and so they have a few you know a little bit of you know tech ETFs there as well. Do you find that's way more common than the more purist approach like what I do? I think so. I think like from what we've seen over time, especially with the past two years and even like the GameStop thing, like you see that like we've noticed that the use of our asset exclusion feature has 
increased over time. And hmm. I think it's because people are, they have access to information. Maybe they're interested in certain themes or topics or cryptocurrencies. And, you know, you have sovereignty over your own money. And at times you may want to dabble, play around, but we haven't seen large shifts outside of like certain popular ETFs that Canadians hold and love. I think it's more around curiosity, trying to get that extra bit of alpha, Mm -hmm. which to me, if you're trying to get that extra bit of alpha means maybe you're not a passive investor. Exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think we lie to ourselves sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I think it's okay. But in this day and age, like we're adults, we all invest responsibly because we're passive investors, but that doesn't mean people don't dabble and try things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Do you find it's more common that people have their core portfolio of, let's say, total market index ETFs, and that, let's say, makes up, I don't know, like 90% of their total sort of investable assets? And then, you know, they might do like, oh, well, I'll take this 10%, and I'm going to do that to do a little bit more active investing, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's, you know, certain more actively managed ETFs or mutual funds or individual stocks. Did you find that's the most common? Just because, I mean, you guys have so many Canadians using you now. I don't know if you get insight into this or not, but do you find that's the more common approach? Yeah. So like, I'm shocked that people that hold the one fund self-balancing ETFs, I'm to this day shocked that they used us. (laughs) And it could be because they're folks like yourself that may have multiple accounts and they want to like group everything and seamlessly trade. Maybe it's for reporting. But from what we've seen, it's also a way to like, you keep this self-balanced fund and then you add other themes or assets. And I think the only reason why you do that is because you believe that you can capture some sort of additional alpha. So yeah, we do see it. Mm -hmm. As of today, we've got like over $1.5 billion being managed with the passive software. So it's like, it's like huge. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I see Canadian companies... Like succeed like that. It's it's so nice to see. No offense, Alex. You're in California, I think, right? We're coming to the Canadian market specifically for yeah, this. There we go. <laughs> you know, like, as a Canadian, one of the things that I've hated seeing is that it really feels like the Canadian market is underserved and Canadian investors sure. don't have access to the same tools and securities. And so like it's actually quite personal to be able to like make this foray into Canada specifically to bolster the self-directed, you know, individual Canadian investor. Mm-hmm. I I love the conversation too. Like there's something about the spectrum comment that you made that resonates, right? And even in all of our users, Canadian or US, you know, we find that very typically there's people that have sort of 70, 80% of their portfolio with sort of general beta exposure, right? Sort of general exposure to the markets. And then 20% or 10, 30%, whatever it is, like some small part of their portfolio, they're trying to actively manage themselves or they're trying to dabble in something or they have a certain view of the world. And I think that one of the most insightful things that I learned a couple of years ago that was like a pretty core part of what we were trying to build at Global Predictions is that I think ultimately what you want what anyone wants and should have as a portfolio is you know, a set of you know, high expected returning securities, whether they're ETFs or mutual funds or crypto or real estate, whatever it is, like in 
a whole set, a basket of high expected returning securities that basically all have different underlying risks. And so if you hold seven different securities in your portfolio and they all have wildly different underlying drivers and risks, then at any one point, you could have five of them going up and two going down and make money consistently and be protected against anything that comes your way. And that feels to me like sort of the optimum approach as a passive investor. As an active investor, you know, I think you really have to pay attention and like finding alpha is extremely difficult, right? Most hedge funds have a difficult time with finding alpha. It makes it hard for me to think that, you know, individual investors have a real shot at that. Mm-hmm. But this like this general beta approach that's properly diversified, you know, so that in any macro condition you have, you know, most of your portfolio going up. That feels to me like it would be the optimum strategy. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think there's like sort of like a great flipping? And what I mean by that is is like actively managed funds, they sort of get the rap for being closet indexes. Do you think there's something where passive investors where we're like secretly closet active investors? <laughs> I mean, like we're talking about it in that sense, right? Like we're both saying that we both have platforms. We both know that our users have large portions of their assets in diversified funds. So <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder if the average passive investor is a bit, you know, closet active <laughs> fund manager? I don't know. I mean, it's... I think naturally as humans, we want to believe that we have some control and some power and some unique insights. You know, if we don't have that control, right? Like if we really admit, like I can't eke out alpha from the markets, I think there's something like deeply psychologically difficult about admitting that. I also think that like for many people, it's quite fun, right? And I think it's like there's speculation component. There's something fun about gambling, but I think there's a different kind of fun in the sense that like it's exciting to keep up with current events and news and talk to people. We see lots of people in different investing groups or this is a social activity with friends. And, you know, when they end up doing something that, leads to better returns or they beat the markets, you know, there's a certain competition with yourself or with sort of this invisible, you know, machine that you're competing against. And I think there's like, there's something really exciting about that for many people as well. You know, even if you are convinced that you don't really have a shot at beating the markets, you know, if you have 80, 90% of your portfolio and sort of diversified beta, then, you know, it might be worth you know, taking that 10% and, you know, doing it yourself and trying to chase them off. Yeah, it's very interesting. And what kind of made me think of that question, I remember I was speaking to Jonathan Chevreau, who has been writing for many cents for, you know, many, many years, very familiar, famous person in the space here in Canada. And I remember when I told him how I invest, he was shocked. At one point I interviewed him and he's like, I don't think anyone just does purely indexing. And I was like, you know, I, I raised my hand. I do. I actually just do pure <laughs> indexing. And I mean, so this is a guy that's been in this field for, for decades and decades. And I mean, and so yeah, in his experience, I guess he found the same thing where it's actually rare for someone just to be a purist and just buy, okay, I'm only going to do total market indexing and that's it. 
But yeah, but to your point, Alex, I think I suspect a lot of it just has to do with it being fun as well, right? Because I mean, <laughs> well, when I'm at a dinner party or a Christmas party thing, and you know, no one really wants to hear about my index boring index investing. <laughs> Whereas if someone made a killing on Tesla stock or whatever, right? That's a you know, those are fun con- or I made a lot on Bitcoin or GameStop, right? Those are much more fun conversations to have and such. So yeah, so I think that that there's like that again. There's this sort of the math component which says, look, you should really just do total market indexing because it's really really hard to beat the market. But then it seems like there's also that human element where, okay, fine. Do the mathematically smart thing, fine, with like 90% of your portfolio. But yeah, maybe just people need to be human and use that 10% to have some fun as well and then have some adventures with their money, I suppose. I don't know. So Cornell, you're saying to me, like you're an avid user of passive. And so you're saying that when you share your portfolio with folks, your asset allocation is like completely the, I don't know what model over variation of the couch potato model is right now. But like, are you saying like, that's exactly what it is? Like, yeah, like straight up. Yeah. So for all the listeners, like I get this question a lot about, you know, what's in your portfolio? What do you buy? What ETFs you buy? That kind of thing. And so, yeah, what I literally do is I take an all equity ETF. So something like, which am I doing right now? It's XEQT is basically what I started modeling out a while back, which is basically an all equity diversified asset allocation ETF. But I buy the sort of individual underlying ETFs within it because then you can choose which ETF goes into which account for tax efficiency. And then you also get lower fees in terms of MER. So like in the beginning, when I started investing, I basically did a whole bunch of research, looked into people that I respect in the industry and looked at all their sort of model portfolios. And then I noticed there was a ton of overlap. Like I'd look at the Money Sense ETF All-Stars Guide, basically anything I could get my hands on from what appeared to be a reputable source. And I'd see, oh, a lot of these ETFs actually overlap. Like one person would recommend this one and then this next reputable person would recommend the same one. So I'm like, okay, there's something about that ETF. Maybe I should put that on my shortlist. And so that's what I did for a while. And then asset allocation ETFs came out and it's like, oh, they kind of did this for us. This is awesome. <laughs> and so that I just basically replicate it now. And so, yeah, what we'll do is I'll share the link with the listeners and it's basically, they can actually see my entire portfolio in passive and they can follow it along too, if they want. And, and they can basically like buy the same stuff, obviously do your own due diligence and, and do your own research. Cause that's, you know, you're, you got to do that, but yeah, like you look into it and it's the most boring portfolio ever. <laughs> it's nothing cool at all. No speculation at all. So yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Let me get the link here. Cause I was going to mention this a little bit later, but it's, yeah. It's, the, the, so the, the link I'm going to do is buildwealthcanada.ca slash portfolio for anybody that wants to check it out. So just buildwealthcanada dot ca slash portfolio. And I'll basically take you there and it'll, it'll show you what I hold. I guess the only caveat is one, it is a hundred percent equity portfolio. So because of our risk tolerance and our personal situation, I actually don't hold any bonds at this point. And so that is probably not a good fit for most people because most people, like that means your portfolio is going to be very volatile, right? And so definitely, again, do your own due diligence, make sure you have the right asset allocation. You know, you do those quizzes to figure out what yours is because that might be too high of an equity position for you, but that's literally what I have. So there you go. You can see all of it. And then the other <laughs> quick caveat I'll mention, because I'm making this, I guess, available to the public for the first time right now. So I, I did want to have the two caveats. One is the equity piece. And two is that when you look at what do I hold for my US total market, instead of seeing one ETF there, you'll see a whole bunch. And that's just because they're still all US total market ETFs. But the reason there's a bunch is because like they're the same thing, but from different providers. So when I started investing, and I imagine a lot of other investors do this too, is you know they 
pick an ETF and then, you know, Vanguard or BMO or whoever announces that, oh, we just cut our fees a little bit, right? And so then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to buy, you know, with my next paycheck, I'm going to buy this one instead, which is still taking the total US market. It's just the fee now is a little bit lower on that, right? And so I started doing that. And so that's why you'll see like, oh, there's one here from iShares and there's one here from Vanguard, but it's literally all the same. They're not like it's it's pretty much the same thing for the most part, right? You're still you're just getting sort of a representation of the U.S. market. So that's my only sort of caveat that I wanted to mention, just in case people look at that and are like, this doesn't look clean. It's like, well, this is why, because yeah. in reality, you know, you kind of change your mind on things and things like that. But really, you just need one. Like in, in my opinion, for my portfolio, you really just need one U.S. total market ETF, and then you're. Right now, what do you think about? international exposure? What do you think about commodities, real estate, different kinds of bonds, right? There's a huge difference between just buying nominal bonds and inflation-linked bonds. I mean, there's yep. so many different types of assets you could buy that have many different underlying drivers. And like, realistically, you could have a view that, you know, you could have a view that like, no matter what, equities are just going to go up and to the right. And so I want exposure to that. Or you could have a view that like, you don't actually know what's going to happen to the, in the macro economy. And so you want exposure to everything to be able to, you know, with the right sort of risk and balance, which is probably much more likely to perform long-term, mm-hmm. right? Like it kind of seems like you're trying to get alpha by saying like, I believe in the US economy. No, no. It's a very internationally diversified portfolio. Yeah. So I'm not like... But it's only equities. True. This is true. Yeah. So the way I diversify it myself, basically, I mean, I do believe in the markets and just in total market index investing. So I do feel comfortable having, I would say, the overwhelming majority of my net worth tied up in that. You know, With that said, we own real estate as well in terms of our you know, primary residence. So we have that. There's the two businesses I own as well. Right, like the podcast and then the financial summit, right? So there's income sources coming from that perspective. And I hear you, there is a case to be made about, well, yeah, what about things like commodities? What about maybe you want to do more like with REITs or something like that, right? There's all these other components. I haven't found, and maybe your tool will, will sort of change my mind in the future about that. But I remember years ago when I was first looking into this, I remember the Tony Robbins book came out where the money, his money book, right? And he interviewed Ray Dalio in that one. And Ray Dalio was talking about the all-weather portfolio. And I thought, which was kind of speaking, I think, maybe a little bit to what you're speaking about, where right, exactly. you're not just talking about equities, you're talking about all these other asset classes too, and how they can help you weather the storm in different economic climates. And that sounded really smart to me. I mean, that made total logical sense. The problem that I ran into with that one is that, okay, is the implementation piece, right? It's okay. So I'm going to have all these different asset classes. That sounds great. Now, how do I get that? How do I do it cheaply? You know, so I'm not paying like, yeah, I could take some, you know, two and a half percent MER on some fund that claims to do that. I could do that, but now I'm paying two and a half percent MER, right? So I have to be able to buy them individually myself in a tax efficient way. You know, they have to have the little fees, right? And so I haven't been able, and then then have fun rebalancing all of that as well. This by itself is like potentially the best advertisement we could possibly okay. have for global predictions, <laughs> right? Like, honestly, I feel like I should just repeat those two sentences over and over again, because <laughs> you're completely right, right? I ran into the same issues as you. There's so many different asset classes. How do I think about underlying exposures and rebalancing and taxes? Yeah. And, you know, how do I think about like, you know, 
evaluating underlying drivers of risk for inflation-linked bonds or commodities that know so little about that? How does that compare to equities, right? Like in certain conditions, you equities and commodities end up performing really well, right? If you're like in a high growth and like, you know, in a inflation neutral environment, you end up having to perform the same way. But, you know, in inflation, equities typically do poorly. And, you know, with inflation, commodities end up doing better. And so, you know, if you really want to balance out to these different macroeconomic conditions, you basically need to think through all of these different scenarios and run simulations. And that is exactly why we build global predictions, right? Because it felt like there was a much better approach than purely just focusing on like a bond equity split, even if it's 100%, 0%. Right, which seemed like sort of the only alternative to active investing. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think that with global predictions, you can do passive investing and not actually spend that much time like managing some secu- you know, equities portfolio, you know, of individual companies and stocks and get, you know, feel comfortable having this like broad diversification and get more performance than just like some, you know, broad market index. That's, I think, really the crux of like what we have built, what we continue to refine, taking into account taxes, you know, huge part of it as well, right? Because I think that you know, we found a couple months ago that people were finding really good recommendations. They were saying, oh, this would definitely be good for my portfolio. But then there's a like an execution part of it of like, is it worth selling, you know, these taxes? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of robo-advisors out there that advertise tax loss harvesting, for example. You know, to be able to do that yourself, we wanted to be able to give people tools to be able to do that as well. And so, in a sense, we've tried to bring all of that into a single, easy-to-use, you know, free platform, partly because I feel like I want that myself, mm-hmm. right? Like, we mostly, I don't know about mostly, but... Definitely a big part of the reason why we built global predictions and added all of this to it is because I'm managing my own portfolio and you know I end up wanting these things or I think about, okay, is this being considered? Is this an additional risk? And all of that continues to be added to the global predictions platform. I think it's interesting. And you know, as we speak, right? It's like, is this level of care and thought like making us, even though we're saying we're passive investors active, right? Like like when I think about like investing and saving for retirement, uh, it goes back to the thing you said earlier, Alex, about like how long people spend on their portfolios. Like, should all of this really matter? Like, does it matter that we hit this score or does it matter that we hit a net worth? And I think like I'm in the camp of more, I just want to get $2 million, a million dollars, whatever it is that's going to help me enjoy life. And I think the way we all get to that number, whatever our financial independence number is, is going to be different. And I think what we're hearing here is that for the segment of passive investors that really care about the global macroeconomic trends that, that drive the markets and maybe give them opportunities to get alpha, global predictions can help them get those types of insights versus like someone that just really couldn't care and would rather spend their time like golfing or with the kids, you know, like maybe you don't even care about it because you're going to hit your financial independence number in, in 20 years. And that's all that matters to you. And it, it really fundamentally goes back down to 
choice and Canadians having the ability to not just like have access to investment products, but have access to tools that help them live and invest better or better yet, invest better so that they can live better, right? And so like, like I think it's interesting. I think it's reasonable to think about it like that if you set it up as a choice, right? But we're saying you can have your cake and eat it too, <laughs> right? We're saying like you can spend two hours a month on this, one hour a month on this and, you know, get those additional gains and properly think about the diversification and think about having, like making it easy for people to build a portfolio that takes into account everything that we just talked about, right? In a relatively easy way. And then, you know, update your model portfolio and passive and go and execute that. And so I think it is, you know, it's reasonable to say like, oh, you like, like there's a choice that many people make, like, do I want to do this full time and be a day trader or like, you know, spend all my evenings and weekends, like following the market versus passive investing and index funds. Right. And that's like, that's a pretty direct choice, but I'm saying like you could be a passive investor and log into global predictions once a month and like rebalance and increase your portfolio score and accept some of the recommendations and understand the problems and feel confident in that and live your life instead of, you know, hitting your $2 million number or whatever your financial freedom number is at, you know, at 59, do it at 56. And I think that's the difference, right? Like I think everyone or most people understand the value of compounding. If we're talking about a 0.2% difference every single year, then that's massive over the long run. Dude, you're talking to two other guys, like one guy here, he literally takes a self-balancing ETF, replicates it in passive to shave off like, like basis points. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> and for me, like maybe I'm in the camp where I rather DIY so I can save on my 2% that a Canadian mutual fund would charge me so that I could exactly. take that 2% and invest it in a bit of speculative assets and have some fund. Fund. Funds, sure, but have some fun mm-hmm. investing. And so, yeah, it's. Maybe we should name the, the episode Passive Investors, the different types and tools that they yeah. use. Anyway, I think it's very interesting. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Cornell, I think we, we may have blown up all those questions that you had asked. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, it's an interesting point you guys bring up because, yeah, I typically the debate that you see in different blogs and on the news, it's the whole, you know, passive versus active. And it's just, okay, these investors think they can beat the market. These are okay just getting the market returns. And that seems to be this battle that we see in the spotlight. But like, at least where I focus my time when it comes to our finances, it's not that. I'll just I'll go passive all day long. But then there's a whole nother kind of element where, okay, you are a passive index investor, but then are you optimized as well as you could be from a tax perspective, right? Like taxation alone is a big thing, right? Especially if you have a company, right? And then, okay, well, how do we pull all these different levers and do things in such a way where we're actually getting taxed the least? So there's that part. And then there's also the whole financial planning part as well, right? And okay, what are the different things we can expect in the future? And are we going to have enough cash flow for retirement, right? So even apart from that whole active versus passive debate, there's still so much other things to spend your time on, like the taxation, like the financial planning piece, estate planning, especially if you're older, right? For me personally, that's enough to keep me busy enough in the personal finance world, or I'm okay just trying to optimize that as opposed to like, okay, I'm going to start reading income statements from 
comes that you know that companies issue out and, and pick stocks and try to beat it off of that way. There's enough fish to fry and all these other elements I find where we can optimize our finances alone. One of the interesting things that we found as well is that I think there's a huge difference in what people pay attention to in terms of like where you could actually find alpha or where you could have some sort of advantage. And so our backend systems, the recommendation engine is built on a set of different models and forecasting systems and anomaly detectors and data infrastructure. It's like a lot below the surface, almost like an iceberg where the portfolio management software is just like the tip. And one of the things we found in doing lots of back tests and evaluations and modeling is that it's very difficult to predict and forecast sort of the very near term, like sort of zero to two months out, where it's, you know, mostly because it's very sentiment driven. The new cycle plays a big factor. Individual, like you said, income statements and what the Fed says. And like there's so many ups and downs there that, you know, there's probably ways to be able to, to hedge funds that make money there, but it's typically the ones that can process information faster that make money, right? And the race is typically between, you know, five milliseconds and four milliseconds, right? And so like, it's rare that you have retail investors, I think that like really, really have a shot there. And then there's sort of the long-term future. So further than a year out, it's very difficult to forecast as well because like, the underlying structure changes and how you have different economic linkages. And there's basically a cone that fans out of you know, millions of different possibilities. We found that sort of the two to 12 month future, sort of this midterm future is easier to forecast because there's like a certain amount of stability beyond that two month period. And there's sort of existing macro trends that follow. And there's you, know, you can almost think about the economy as a machine, like all these interconnected systems that sort of end up you know, propagating through. And so I think that if you were to be an active investor, or if you were thinking about the active part of your portfolio where you're changing it, and you're not just sort of set and forget, sort of you know, all weather, sort of the, you know, or a risk parity type portfolio. Then for the active components, I think it's much more important to pay attention to the underlying macro drivers to your portfolio or the different things that you're investing in and have those aligned with sort of what's happening in the economy. Right? Like I think with inflation, for example, that was something that you know people could see coming for a long time. Right? Inflation continues to be problematic right now. And so it's probably much better to think about like protecting your portfolio to the you know, the next couple of years of an inflationary environment than it is to think about, you know, what is going to happen to GameStop tomorrow, you know, if we take an extreme example. And so I think that even if we're thinking about active investing, there are different levels of active investing where, you know, I think if you're going to dip your toe into that water, it's much better to focus on sort of the macro conditions affecting your portfolio. And, you know, instead of the sort of day-to-day or thinking about individual companies. And, you know, this is partly where we've, you know, pushed people with global predictions as well. When we see a lot of people come to us and say like, you know, it's very hard for me to know what's going to happen to my real estate or thinking about, 
when to sell or when not to sell or thinking about sort of what's happening over the next year or if I'm going to rebalance, you know, do I do it now or do I wait a year from now? I think those are difficult, but easier questions to ask than do it this week or next week. That feels very random. You know, Alex, I think that's interesting that you bring up forecasted returns and and stuff like that. Because like when I think about passive investing or investing in general, you know, this sort of like universal belief that the markets have, I think it's done like on average over the past hundred years, 10% and, you know, not accounting for inflation. So if you accounted for inflation, your returns on average are going to be seven. So like when I invest, I just automatically assume that I'm investing for the next 30 years and that my returns are going to be around 7% accounting for inflation, just like what the S&P 500 did like like 10, 100 years ago. And so it's very interesting, the fact that you brought up that like no one's able to predict really two years out. And so like, how does that like play into your mind? Like when you think about the way global predictions is helping your users and just yourself in general, like, like, do you think that like I'm out of lunch by just moving forward? Because I swear, probably I'm not the only one. I think a lot of passive investors just go under with that sort of underlying assumption that we're going to get that 7%. And so maybe that's why we play around a bit to get a bit of extra on alpha, at least for myself, I do. And so Cornell, I can't speak for you, but like, (laughs) (laughs) how do you square that up, Alex? Like, what's your thoughts on? I think, in general, like the economic system is designed to go up and to the right. And so getting exposure to markets in general is a good idea. And, you know, there's an expectation that there's, you know, that, I mean, this is one of the Fed mandates, right? To control inflation and make sure there's employment. And, you know, we specifically just like, there's so many assumptions around growth in our society and so, you know, that everything continues to, you know, increase. And so because of that, I think it's reasonable to expect that, like, you know, your portfolio will continue to increase if you have sort of broad exposure to markets. But there are definitely massive periods of time over the last 100 years where markets have not performed, right? Where they have not gone. And if you, like, if, for example, after the uh, the tech bubble, for example, like for many people, it took something like seven years just to break even again. Like, can you imagine seven years without any returns? Or even after the 2008 market crash, like there are big periods of up and big periods of down as well, where there's a recovery and even just to get back to neutral, you know, is takes a long, long time. You know, there's a lot of noise. You know, these days about, you know, will the 2020s look very similar to the 1970s with stagflation, right? Extremely high inflation rates with problems with employment, with some mediocre growth for companies. You know, this is part of the reason why a lot of stocks are being repriced. You know, this is like a big part of the reason why we have, you know, this market crash now. I think it's reasonable to say like, hey, I know nothing. And so I'm just going to have broad market exposure for the next 30 years. And like, it will definitely be higher than it is today. And to make an assumption that it's going to be something like 10%, that's where I have a hard time believing that that's reasonable. Like you could say 100 years is a long time, 
But if we're talking about decades at a time, we really only have you know 10 decades. Is the next decade going to be an up or down decade? Really difficult to know. Many signs are pointing to you know, it not being a 10% average per year decade. And so, you know, our approach is, you know, let's be a little bit smarter. There's certain things that you can view that are happening in the macro, in the economy itself. There's different linkages. There's different ways you can get market exposure. And you can be smarter about that and take into account sort of the, the facts of the day and add that to your portfolio. And even if you rebalance once every 10 years, that's probably better than naively putting money into the markets you know, under the same portfolio for 30 years in a row. We think that doing it on a monthly or a quarterly basis is even smarter than that. And that the difference that you have in the portfolio that's actually influenced by macro conditions and is sort of quantitatively put together with the underlying risk factors and these drivers ends up you know, far outperforming you know, with a only equities, like broad market exposure portfolio. All of that, like caveated as well is that like, if you're putting money with like actively managed mutual funds, like you're probably going to do much worse so no, no matter what. So there's like, we're probably talking about like, you know, what's better between two different approaches that both work quite well and have low fees and require you to spend relatively little time. But now obviously I'm biased with global predictions, but we like to think that like the whole reason for this platform and why we're getting so much traction recently is because people want to eke out a little bit more. And I think that there's a control and confidence element too. I think no matter what, even if you, and I don't know, maybe you, Cornell, you can speak to this. Like I can only imagine that if you have sort of a, broad market, you know, exposure that you can feel confident in knowing that like, I'm going to get returns and up and to the right, but there is a certain element of control that's missing or like it, there's probably still something in the back of your mind that says like, I'm probably missing something or like, it's frustrating that other people out there are getting higher returns. And like, if only there was a better way to get a little bit of like a little bit more out of this, I would take it. Hmm. And it kind of sounds like, you know, you're continuously making these optimizations. You know, I, I just want to say, I think it's important to like, maybe dive into why people are passive investors. So like, like the reason why I became a passive investor is because like the fees were like 2.5% that these Canadian bank mutual funds charge, right? So like the fees alone justify becoming a passive investor. And I think that's sort of, where maybe we sort of lie is that like maybe for Cornell's case, he he uses the savings on the fees to retire fast and he's fine with the market returns. And like that that 10% or 7%, if you account for inflation, is is absolutely dandy for him because in Canada, as we all know here, that the banks charge what 2.5% in actively managed mutual funds. And like that's not acceptable <laughs> at all. And Shim, let's plug for Questrade, but you know, guys, they've got free ETF buys. Go, go sign up and buy them. <laughs> but seriously, though, like, like in my case, I'm comfortable, like, blindly, religiously putting my money into a broadly diversified portfolio that's got 80% index funds. I never think about my expected returns. And so, like, 
from my point of view, I actually don't care so long as I hit my number. But I do agree with you, Alex, that like if you are someone that's going to rely on their nest egg within two years, three years, and you haven't accounted for your appetite for risk, maybe in the context of some sort of future state. Well, yeah, like that makes sense. But I think it's, I like, I really wonder how common that opinion is of people that say like, it doesn't matter to me, hit my target in 30 years or 27. I would imagine that the vast majority of people Canadian or American, anywhere in the world, <laughs> would rather you know get there in 27 years. Cornell, let's and... pull. Let's pull, <laughs> let's pull your audience. <laughs> Folks, if you're listening in to Build Well Canada, please write in and let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I think a key element to the right is how much time do you want to invest in it and, and learning all these things, right? Now, fortunately, we've got tools like passive, like global predictions, where it makes doing these more complicated things easier than they have ever been. I mean, heck, right? There was times where asset allocation ETFs didn't even exist in Canada, right? And now they do, right? So, I mean, it seems as technology advances, not just in terms of the financial products that get released, but now with tools like like what you guys are providing, it lets us get that higher level of sophistication in a much easier way without us having to have, you know, an MBA or, you know, work on Bay Street or Wall Street to try to understand all of this and put all of this together. So I think that's really a wonderful thing as you're helping just normal people, investors who are not necessarily, you know, Wall Street, Bay Street workers to kind of get that finer level of optimization and cost savings and getting them to actually be able to hit their financial independence number quicker, which I think is awesome. With that said, right, it's still like it's still not as easy as just going to your local bank and saying, giving them a check, and then they just take care of it for you. But then, yeah, they're going to charge you the two and a half percent or whatever, right? So that's kind of, you know, we're talking two different sort of spectrums, right? So I think there's going to be people, I think, always that are just like, hey, I just want an asset allocation ETF. And then now, like thanks to Passive, for example, we can say, okay, well, you can actually break that apart like what Cornell does, and then you can make it even more tax efficient and save on fees. So, you know, that's actually practical to do now. And it's not a pain because of the automatic rebalancing. And then it seems like, Alex, with your tool, people can take it sort of further in other levels as well, where they can have a more diversified portfolio, especially in terms of different asset classes, let's say, so that, yeah, maybe they are going to be able to get much lower, let's say, volatility in their portfolio without really hurting their expected return all that much. Right. And while that was once something that maybe was only available to the upper, you know, the people with their, you know, their 10 million plus dollar portfolios, now it's available to people who just regular Canadians, right? So, yeah, exactly. I think it's not just like monetary thing. Like, obviously, everybody wants to hit their fine number quicker, but it's how much work are you willing to put in sort of to get that? And how much time do you want to invest? Or would you rather be outside playing with your kids or something, right? There's a spectrum. But again, I'm super excited to have both of you on here because I love when tools like this come into Canada or in Canada. And you know, instead of us just watching what the US is doing, and oh, I wish we had a tool like that. I wish we had a tool like that. And so when tools like you know what you guys offer come in, I think it's really great to tell Canadians about it to at the very least get it on the radar, at the very least get them to try it because it's great, right? It helps us move along that spectrum, hopefully hit our fine number quicker because of it. 
yeah, so yeah, I just want to thank you guys for coming on and not just ignoring Canada and just going directly to the US. <laughs> so, because I, I love the tools like this. So, thank you very much on behalf of myself and everyone else. <laughs> Good. Al, thanks so much for having us. You know, we're really excited to see how this goes in the Canadian market. We're open to feedback. Like I said, it's free to sign up, you know, from globalpredictions.com. And if you have, you know, if there's any issues, concerns, feedback, new kinds of features, specific Canadian, you know, elements that, you know, you're looking to add, we are always looking for, you know, that sort of feedback and we're iterating quickly to make it, you know, truly useful for this audience as well. Awesome. And what's a good place if someone has questions or they tried, they don't understand something, is there an email or support or anything like that where people can go? Because you mentioned it's free, right? But where can, for like consumers, where can people go to ask questions and learn? Yeah, for individual self-directed investors, it's free. And support at globalpredictions.com is the best way to reach out. Or in the web app itself, there's a chat functionality as well, a little support line. We monitor that frequently and we give timely responses. Awesome. Thanks so much. And then, Brendan, what about yourself? Did you want to give us a little more info on, on Passive and anything at all? Yeah, sure. So if you are a listener of BuildWell Canada and you've never heard of Passive and this is your first time, please visit our website at www.passive.com. Sign up, link your question account, use Passive Elite for free and save yourself a lot of time implementing your portfolios. Before I go, I just want to do a special shout out to the folks over at, I guess, the mods at the personal finance Canada subreddit. Five years ago, I reached out to one of the mods and I said, hey, can I post our little rebalancing tool on your subreddit? Back then, there were approximately 80,000 Canadians that were interested in personal finance. Five years later, there's almost 900,000 Canadians consuming personal finance content, helping each other. I think it's really great. And if any of the mods at PFC are listening, thank you so much. You guys have not just helped us, but helped literally almost 1 million Canadians take control of their finances. So big shout out to those folks over there. Awesome. All right. Great. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate the shout out as well. And yeah, it's been great having you on. Thanks for sharing. And, and again, thanks for making these available to us Canadians as well. For free. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. A big thanks to Brendan and Alex for coming on the show. In case you missed it, if you're interested in checking out Passive, the link to get a free account is over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. And the link to Alex's company is globalpredictions.com. Also, a big thanks to Shopify for sponsoring this episode. As much as we talk about investments and financial planning on the show, I always like to touch on having your own side business from time to time because it gives you that diversification when it comes to income sources. It can help you reach your financial independence number much quicker. And once you hit that number and are able to retire from your day job, having a side business can be a lot of fun and be fulfilling. And it's really nice to have that extra source of income, especially when the markets are turbulent like they are right now. So I'm definitely a big fan of Shopify as they help make it easier than it's ever been to start, run, and grow your own business, whether it's a side or full-time business. They are already powering many of Canada's favorite businesses and allow Canadians to sell the products worldwide. So you can go to shopify.ca slash BWC, 
all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial. There you can create your store with the look you want, and there's no need for you to know how to design or code. So I really love how Shopify makes starting your own business possible for anyone. You can try Shopify for free and start selling today, and they have 24-7 support, so they'll be with you every step of the way. So when you're ready to bring your idea to Canada and the rest of the world, definitely try Shopify for free as they are the all-in-one commerce platform that's already powering millions of businesses around the world. So you can start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.ca slash BWC right now. That's shopify.ca slash BWC, all lowercase. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.